Hey everyone, welcome to the Musicians for Mental Health podcast. This is season number three, episode number nine. On this podcast, we speak with musicians openly and honestly, without the veil of lyrics about mental health. We are not licensed counselors, therapists, mental health professionals. We're just people that have our own battles and journeys with mental health and want to shed light on these topics. In this episode, I speak with Garrett Russell of the band Silent Planet. Um, Had an incredible conversation with him. Garrett actually does hold a master's degree in clinical psychology and did take on a small caseload for a while um, as a therapist and kind of an internship um, way back in 2014-2015-ish. And um, so we touch on that a little bit, but more importantly, Garrett, um, or more well-known, Garrett is the frontman of the band Silent Planet, a incredible band that is very open and vulnerable with their lyrics. While they do use metaphors and, and kind of hide behind the veil a little bit, um, there's truly no disguising what the message is. And so Garrett and I had a great conversation. Uh, huge shout out to him. He was out running around doing some errands and stuff, but made the time to have the conversation with me. Um, I do apologize for any connection issues or, you know, audio little snafus that may occur. Uh, but again, great conversation with Garrett. We talked about kind of processing your diagnosis and how important it is to receive a diagnosis because while you may know something in your mind, seeing it on paper and being able to truly identify it and work on uh, healing from there is vastly important. Uh, We talked about anxiety, depression, the power of words and making sure that we're not using terminology uh, that downgrades someone else's situation. Uh, we also touched on the the connection between physical health and mental health and how sometimes your mental health will manifest itself physically. Sometimes your physical health is what manifests the mental health uh, diagnosis or, you know, battle that you begin. So, Again, just a great time talking with Garrett. Really appreciate his time and um, his willingness to speak on this and kind of help us shed this light. So let's dive into my conversation with Garrett Russell of the band Silent Planet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate you jumping on to do this. I definitely um, have had you on my radar for, for quite a while and just hadn't reached out to you know, Shane and the team and, and seeing if you were available or anything yet, because I think for me, it was one of those things where, um, I wanted it to be the right time. Um, and you know, the podcast is gaining a little more momentum, things like that. And I think it's the the right time with, especially with you guys just dropping super bloom as well, um, to start having this conversation. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you having me. And uh, yeah, look, 
definitely, uh, you know, no matter what the album, no matter what the song's about on the surface, you know, obviously, uh, mental health and just the human condition is always, you know, part of the subtext. Yeah, for sure. But one thing I, I always say in the intro of the podcast is that, you know, we're not mental health professionals, we're not licensed counselors, things like that, um, which is kind of not true for you in a sense. You're not a, a licensed counselor, but you do have a master's degree in psychology. Is that right? In clinical psychology? I, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I I, uh, yeah, I got my master's degree really long time ago in uh, 2014. Um, and I, I did some, uh, I kind of interned as a therapist under a doctor, which is to say I, I had like, I had like a caseload of, of clients. And then, uh, once a week I would present my cases to a doctor uh, who would kind of review them and stuff. Yeah. So for you, obviously you've, you've had your own journey with mental health and, you know, a lot of people, I think the misconception is that a lot of people that carry a degree such as a master's in clinical psychology is that they're quote unquote normal, right? Like that mental health is fine with them. What's it like for you almost being hyper aware of mental health because of your degree? You know what? I'll tell you this, man. I, um, this is, I, I mean, this isn't a complete history of my experience, but I do, I do, I, I've been thinking a lot about this, honestly, in just the last few months. Um, I, uh, I remember very specifically, it was July 7th of 2018. I remember waking up and like having to, I was sleeping in the van. We were on tour. We, you know, we're pretty DIY. We sleep in our van and, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I remember waking up. And, and and immediately having to vomit and like running outside of the van and like luckily we were like parked on some grass at a festival and I, I remember like dropping to my knees and dry heaving for a few minutes and feeling really sick all that tour and I felt sick on and off and um in the coming months of in 2018 I, I used to wake up and uh have uh my like my stomach would be like doing flips and my heart would be racing and I'd be sweating. And um then in the coming and then after that, a couple months later, I just started like feeling just a sense of doom about everything all the time. Like just that there's there's no topic in my life that I didn't have like a really, really, really bleak, pessimistic perception on. And that went on uh throughout the rest of 2018 and all of 2019 until I was in, on tour in November of 2019, supporting, um, uh, supporting North lane over in Europe. And I tried to kill myself and ended up getting grabbed up by cops in Belgium, uh, and then spent a month in a mental hospital in America. And it wasn't until I'm in the mental hospital in December in 2019 that like I realized I have an anxiety disorder and the the reason I tell this story is like I was a therapist who like you know would see clients for anxiety and I would work through anxiety with them 
And I was over there having anxiety disorder for a year and a half before, like, I literally connected the most obvious fucking dot that like, oh, I have an anxiety disorder. Yeah. And the reason I tell that story is because like, it's so, it's so crazy. Like the difference between knowing something, um, on paper, like, and, and then knowing it in your own reality. Because when anxiety yeah. became my reality, it's it's not like you know, it's not like you you have COVID and you 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 can put a swab up your nose and and put it in some liquid and then it says hey you got COVID you know like with anxiety or depression th- these things are your reality and it's really easy for you to not know to just tell yourself this is just reality you know like. Because especially when it happens gradually, like you don't wake up and see depression, your anxiety, like blinking, blinking on the wall. Like you just simply you just like don't want to do things that you used to do or you you don't you know, you feel a sense of dread about things that used to give you joy. And it sneaks up on you. And it's 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 so it, it so quickly just became my reality that like. I knew that I was having a bad time and I wasn't happy. And I, I think I, I knew about the depression, but honestly, the anxiety um, really, like, it tricked me. Like, I, I just kind of thought, yeah, like things are going wrong. And, and it became like a self-fulfilling thing where I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm nervous because I'm going to lose my voice on tour. And then I'd get on stage and I would like go way too hard because I was afraid of losing my voice. And then I'd cause myself to lose my voice then I'd lose my voice. And I'm like, and I was just like, kind of just like became a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so much of it was anxiety. But like, again, like, I knew what anxiety was clinically, I I knew like what somebody would have to, you you know, how, how you might diagnose someone with general anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder in the DSM five. But like, I, I didn't, I didn't recognize it in my own life. And it should have been so freaking obvious and I didn't. And because I didn't recognize it, I, I nearly killed myself. I, I came very close to dying. And, um, and now, now I can look back at that and be like, Oh, I was anxious. And I, you know, I, I got on meds and, and I, I, I kind of got better from that. And, uh, I think now I'm probably better at identifying it in my life, but that is just to say that like, uh, it's not to say that mental health professionals don't like know stuff, but it's really interesting that the difference between like being aware of mental health and then actually like what it is in your own life. And, um, um, uh, I tell that whole story so that if anyone's listening that they might realize like, dude, you can, you can know stuff, you know, you can feel like you're intelligent or you're well-read or researched, but a lot of the times our biggest blind spot is ourselves. And that's why I think, um, therapy is so helpful because you can see all the problems in this world uh, and not be able to see yourself sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, my story is vastly different, uh, for a few reasons, but so for me, you know, I've grown up knowing that I had depression and, and whatnot, and it was completely self-diagnosed. And I had a couple, um, suicide attempts myself. And 
literally I'm 38 years old right now. And earlier this year is when I finally got my diagnosis. Um, again, just lived with it. Like you said earlier, like in my mind, I knew something was wrong, but it was normal to me. It was just what I dealt with. And for whatever reason this year, I was like, I need to figure out, like, I have to put a name to the monster, you know? Um, and I got diagnosed with a major depressive disorder. Um, and it is on the severe scale and the singular event, meaning that, you know, I just don't normally see much relief from it. I'm pretty much in yeah. a, a constant depressive state. And, uh, you know, from the moment that I got that diagnosis, again, I, I pretty much knew it in my mind, but like you said, like knowing it and then like seeing it are two vastly different things. And when the therapist or the psychologist was able to give me my results from the DSM that I took and explain some stuff, I'm like, fucking, of course, you know what I mean? Like, Jesus, what have I been doing? Totally. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's so easy to miss it. And it's, um, it's like the classic, like, you know, two fish are swimming and one fish turns to the other and it's be like, how's the water? You know, then the other fish turns, it's like, what's water, Right. you know, um, it, it's, it's like, like in, in a sense, if you've had depression for a super long time, all at once, like you should know more about depression and also less about depression than anyone, because that is been your reality so like and and what you know if, if you don't know the opposite of depression it's hard to know what depression is uh, and it's right kind of a weird a, a bitter irony of life i think yeah i i've often told people you know like throughout my life that even my good days are realistically probably somebody else's like six out of ten or seven out of ten days you know what i mean like it's, it's just an okay day for them. But for me, because I'm in that constant depressive state most of the time, and I've been working on it and, and all that as well, but like, you know, a, a great day for me, most people would have looked at and been like, bro, that's an every, like, that's an average day. And I'm like, but it's not for me, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very pernicious. And, uh, you know, while we're on the subject, there's another thing I'm really, I've been really passionate about with mental health, um, especially recently, is kind of the challenge of mental health, where like for a long time it was like, okay, let's destigmatize mental health, which is obviously so good and so important right. because um, if people are afraid to talk about depression or if people, you know, are going to be judged heavily for having depression, then they don't want to talk about it. But on the flip side, I th- it's it's weird like when we talk I think a lot of times what what's implied when we say mental health is also kind of a part of the problem because mental health and physical health are kind of one and the same and mm-hmm. and, and I think the, the long I think the further we go I hope that we find more points of intersection for instance that whole story about anxiety I, I genuinely believe that my anxiety disorder began with a gut issue. I think that I think that I had a severely screwed up gut that wasn't able to digest food and uh, your emotions are often regulated in the gut. And um, then as the anxiety, the physical anxiety went on for a long time, I started to attach 
my reality to it until then it became also very cognitive. But for me, I think anxiety started in my body. Um, mm-hmm. And so something I'm also been, you know, passionate about when talking about mental health is the fact that mental health and physical health are often linked, not all the time, for sure. I mean, I, I mean, well, in a sense, all the time, because like we have brains and, um, you know, obviously our, our cognition happens in our brains and that's physical, but also it's just to say like, you know, mental, uh, uh, for a lot of people, there are like some severe physical factors that cause mental issues or for a lot of people, their, their, their mental issues cause a lot of physical and it's, it's just kind of one and the same. And, and, and I hope that we can integrate more and more physical and mental um, when, when we approach, you know, what what is mental health and how can I treat it? You know, um, yeah, you know, uh, what what can I eat? Um, how am I moving? You know, it, like because I don't think that exercise and diet fixes all problems, you know, with the disorder that you have. I, I know that like just going for a mile jog isn't going to get rid of it. But I, I have found that. um it can help with the coping, you know, if, if our, if our whole body system is kind of working in sync. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, something that I've been trying to incorporate myself after talking to a friend of mine on the show, uh, her name's Mel Taven. She's this incredible, um, Korean American singer songwriter and all that. And, um, she prefers to use the term instead of mental health, she uses mental injury when she's talking about it because, you know, it's, it's an injury. It's a lot of times caused by a trauma. Um, and in her mind, and it's something that as I've talked about it more and more with people, it's become more apparent um, is when you say mental injury, it makes it more real to people because health is so subjective and what's good health for one person maybe isn't good health for another. So by saying mental injury, it's like, okay, that's like a broken arm. Everybody can relate to what a broken arm is. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Um, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And especially, I think, very, very relevant for um, certain folks, especially, yeah, like trauma, um, where like, yeah, like in an injury was inflicted upon them. And, and in a sense, they're, uh, you know, the way that they're responding mentally can can actually be quite logical you know right that their um their system is working correctly that like yeah doesn't make it easy it doesn't mean you want to stay there but it also doesn't mean that like your whole system's out of whack as much as like your 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 uh your system's trying to respond to this thing yeah and I think, you know, you mentioned the stigma earlier too. We're kind of jumping around a few places, but I like it. Uh, you mentioned the stigma earlier. And I think, you know, because of that stigma, unfortunately, most people's um, trauma response or even just initial like knee jerk response to any sort of, of, you know, depression, anxiety, whatever, is that we try to compartmentalize it and kind of stow it away because we're so scared to talk about it. And it's like, again, going back to that mental injury concept of like, if you broke your arm, you wouldn't be scared to tell people, Hey, I broke my arm. Like I need to go to the doctor. Um, you know, our emotional state and our mind and stuff are, we can't see them and we can't 
them very easily and, and even a lot of you know mental health diagnoses can't um some can but most usually it can't just be shown with like a brain scan or whatever um i, th I think it's hard because people are like oh you know are people going to believe me or are people going to care and also because our it's so closely linked with our personality it's like we it's like it, it feels like there's something wrong not just with like you know our emotional regulation or, or, or with, with us having a chemical imbalance or whatever, but it feels like there's something wrong with me as like, as a whole, like as a, as a self, you know? And, and, right. and, uh, I think, I think so much of mental health, I, I come from kind of a more of a classic kind of psychodynamic perspective. So I believe that often, you know, I, I oftentimes believe that it's our ego defenses that um, drive a lot of stuff, but that that's, I mean, uh, you know, there's so many different modalities of psychology and, and I, I'm, um, you know, they, they all have their place, I think, whether, you know, you're doing yeah. CBT or EFT or psychodynamic, um, there's a lot of different things. And that, that's a whole nother discussion is like, man, when we talk about psychology, that's interesting because, um, I think a lot of times people think that there's like a total consensus, <laughs> But in reality, like I, I've seen, I've seen uh, different people in different areas of psychology have such radically different treatment focuses that it's like, it, do we call all of that psychology? You know, because it can be right. so different, <laughs> and, and it work. It's different things work for different people, and and I, I think that that can be scary um, when when you think of how many different ways they're going about it. But it can also be really exciting because if you're someone that's tried therapy and it hasn't worked at all to know like well there's very different treatments there's very different people i, I mean to, in the same way of like if someone's like oh try religion and it's like okay well d do you mean like islam do you mean Hare krishna do you mean christianity do you mean buddhism do you, do you mean uh you know hindi do, do you mean mormonism like there's uh, there's so many different forms of psychology and different iterations that um there, there can be a lot of uh modalities and i think different people depending on their struggles kind of need a different treatment focus uh, approach yeah well and i think you know to your point about there being a consensus um it's funny to me because you know i'm i'm not as well educated it's all like personal research and whatnot but the clinical side of psychology right like you guys don't even fully agree on which DSM to use all the time, right? Like there's so many different oh, types sure. of DSMs and it's like, oh, well, this doctor uses DSM five, but this other one still uses three. And now there's a six out there. Like who, who yeah. knows which one's the right one or the most comprehensive one? Oh, totally. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a difficult, it's a difficult discipline, you know, and, um, it's it's definitely not as simple as yeah if somebody breaks their arm you get an x-ray or an mri and the doctor's like right there and points at the scan that's the break right and so there's only one thing to do now which is to you know immobilize it until the bone regrows um unfortunately in psychology it's like okay so where's the injury uh oh wait you, you think this is the injury but actually this is the injury under the injury that caused the original injury oh but wait a second it's actually the way that you're thinking about the injury and it just gets it can be so complex um but also i 
I like to frame it in terms of like, um, I, I like to think of mental health, not just as like, oh, we're trying to like, you know, get you back to normal. Cause what is normal anyways? I think a lot of times it's, it's also just about like, it's getting past like the harm and looking at, but, but how is your mind different and how is that beautiful and how can we, how can we make meaning from this? Um, so that it's not a matter of just like, yeah, let, let's get you back to square one. But like may, maybe the goal isn't to be in square one because maybe maybe square one's a myth. Not 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 everyone's square one would be the same if there was a square one. Maybe the question is like, and that's kind of why I like a lot of the psychodynamic, the, the stuff that gets more into like, what is the self and, and, and why is the self trying to defend itself? And, and like, right. how are you, how are you not even your, yourself? Because I think a lot of times what hurts people is they have this idea, like I'm broken and I need to be fixed, but it's actually their idea of what it would look like to be fixed. That's keeping them broken. <laughs> yeah. Well, and especially, I mean, nowadays, right. With social media and the, the toxicity of, all of that, but also the the comparison complex that we all have of looking at Instagram and going, well, why doesn't my life look like that? Well, not everybody's life is ever going to look like that. And even the person that you're envious of, realistically, the, you know, the photo of them on a beach in Bora Bora was one fucking day out of their life. That doesn't mean that they're better. Oh, dude, for sure. And it's... um. Yeah, I mean, I don't like it's it's hard because you know as long as I think you know where technology is going, I think is a deeply anti-human thing to the point of like I, I think eventually you know technology will eradicate humans from this earth, and so on one hand, like I you don't you know I don't want to be like a luddite and be like all technology is bad and, and get rid of all of it. But I will say, it, you know, I, there, there's a direct correlation between how involved we are with our, with our phones and social media and, and our mental well-being. You know, I, I believe that we were meant to be local communal creatures. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and even if you don't, you know, even if like maybe the meant to be language sounds too, too much um is, is too theistic even if you if you want to see it from a purely evolutionary standpoint like we evolved as local communal beings and the fact that we're constantly just like being like okay i'm sitting in the i'm sitting in the dmv no okay now i'm looking at a picture of someone from bora bora oh okay now i'm getting a message from someone from new hampshire oh wait hold on like now i gotta you know like you know look, interact with this person and, and it's 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 like we're constantly splitting ourselves and dividing our attention. So like in a sense, the fact that we're anxious again isn't like I don't think it's because like oh we're we're just so broken as people or something. It's like I think that I think that um any of our ancestors would have immense anxiety if they saw both like the pace and just the constant attention switching with which we're we're living our lives on a daily basis right now. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, it's funny because I often say, especially like the type of music that you guys do on the heavier side, right? Like outsiders, quote unquote, look at that and go, 
I don't know how you guys can deal with that. Or, you know, that's scary, angry music, whatever. And it's like, yeah, but I've never felt more safe and connected to people than at a heavy music show, whether it's metal or whatever. So like, this is the community side of what we're talking about is we inherently in the primal sense, want to be around others like us. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think one of the great beauties of heavy music and the reason why it's so important to people is because I think because heavy music has like a lot of elements, uh, specifically probably the, or the most obvious would be like the screening that make it far less marketable. I think because of those elements, um, it also kind of protects a certain level of like integrity or honesty where it's like the artist already knows that they probably like aren't going to like be nominated for Grammy or like be on like a target commercial with this music. So it kind of is just like, well, fuck it. I guess I'll be honest, you know, I'll be real. Right. And I think people also go to shows knowing like it's, it, yeah, it's a very communal experience, you know, he heavy music's very, is a very communal experience. And I, I just think um, it's something that I love about it. It's something that pulled me into it is, is the community. And um, um, so, yeah, I, I think, uh, I, th I think it's a special place. You know, I, I think all those things that um, keep it like weird and keep it like not accessible to a lot of people kind of also keep it like very powerful and sacred in some way, because, I think I think there's a myth of modern life that like everything needs to be easily understandable and accessible. And while, of course, like I agree with, you know, like obviously, you know, buildings being accessible to people who are handicapped or what have right. you, I, I, I think it's OK for things to like not make sense or to require some level of like investment. Like, you, like, you know, like if you want to if you want to become a master of meditation you you can't just watch one youtube video and know that like you have to spend hours and days and weeks and months and years of your life in the quiet and the silence to really start reaping i think sometimes the full benefits of meditation because a lot of things in life don't come easily things come with like with, with investment and I, I think like heavy music um is cool because it's it it, it requires some level of of kind of investment or or, or willingness to to you know um to go out of your way and find that kind of community you know yeah when i think you know to your point too for the the artist in the scene um it does allow for this different layer or a different level of authenticity in the music and being honest about their struggles and stuff um but it also opens the door for that vulnerability right like i saw you guys with dayseeker in indianapolis not too long ago and you have the little speech that you do as as part of your stage banter talking about mental health and and things and it's like i've been to i actually started a spreadsheet in, in just the last 10 years i've been to almost 400 shows and whoa yeah doing this will uh definitely open that door but you know being to that many shows like i've seen everything from pop stars to to heavy music and whatnot and like there's never once been a time that I've been at a pop show where they've paused in any part of their set and talked about mental health, but almost every metal or heavy show that I go to at least one band on the bill makes it a point to talk about, you know, 
if you're struggling, you know, this song's for you and this is your night to, to know that you're not alone and things like that. And it's just, it's really, to your point, it's really powerful and empowering to the, the artist, but also the person standing in the crowd receiving the energy. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, heavy music, um, it sometimes has this problem, but I think way more address is way more real than a lot of genres because there's not usually a lot of room for rock stars, you know, like, like yeah. you, like, it's like you, you, you can get on the stage, you can grab the mic, like a lot of times, you know, go get food with the band afterwards. It's, I think pop music, uh, like inherently is like, this is Justin Bieber and this is you, you are different fundamentally. Like Justin Bieber is very important and famous and desirable you are his fan and i, I think heavy right. music um kind of breaks down a lot of those boundaries at least in its most ideal form breaks down a lot of those boundaries and i think that's always been my passion with silent planet and has been like the conversations after shows with people the like one-on-one -on -one thing um and uh to be real with you i've had people before be like you shouldn't make yourself so available after every show because it you know like you want to be more like mysterious or or more like hard to access and I, for me it's always been kind of like no fuck that like that's why I that's why this music helped me and why I got into it and if I can like I I know I can't fix anyone and I'm not trying to be someone's therapist but if I can like looks a 17 year old kid in the eyes and he's telling me about like his mom's cancer or like some really real stuff that people talk about like that that's worth it and, and that's like why i still like doing this after 10 years like I, I i don't want i've played every venue like 20 times over like right <laughs> getting to the venue for the nth time and loading in the gear it's like cool but it's it's not like the deepest fundamental that the reason why the meaning of like why i do this is definitely those those conversations and i love that that's um something that people want to have people for every person that comes and says, oh, you're like, oh, cool. Can I get a selfie? Can I get an autograph or whatever? For every one of those, I'd say there's two or three people who just legitimately like want to share what's going on in their lives. And I, res I really respect people that are willing to do that and have vulnerability. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's another thing that even you know, whether we use Justin Bieber or whoever, like even when a pop artist is on their way up, they're not as accessible. And I think, you know, it is a really powerful thing to be able to, to go to that artist that maybe saved your life, obviously unintentionally. And like you said, not trying to be anybody's therapist or savior, but like to be able to say like, I have gratitude because this song, you know, pulled me out of the darkness or because of this song, I understood that, you know, I'm not alone. And I've often told like friends and family when they've asked about some of the heavier music that I listen to and I don't get how you can listen to this angry stuff or this sad stuff, whatever. I I've said like, it's because of this music that I don't feel like I'm alone. And if, you know, in your case, if Garrett can get up on stage and, and say these words and sing these words, scream these words, whatever, like I can get through it too, because that's another human being that's made it through that thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's the hope, right? Is that, uh, that people that I think shame 
I think shame is what keeps a lot of people from growing or like keeps a lot of people from getting better. And yeah, I think just being able to talk about it, um, being able to put a name to it is like for a lot of people, the first step, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've talked a lot about, it's funny you mentioned shame because I, I don't know if it's a, a clinical uh, trait or not, but something I've often said about like my depression again, after dealing with it for 20 plus years, I definitely threw out times in my life and still struggle with it from time to time. Um, I call it depression shame where like, I don't necessarily want to do certain things or maybe I don't want to have people over because I haven't cleaned my house in a week or whatever it is. Like I've got this shame about something that my depression has caused. And in turn, then it just, you know, inherently is ramping up that cycle because now I'm ashamed to talk about it, but totally maybe I need to say, Hey, I need help. Like, can somebody come over and, and vacuum while I do dishes or whatever, you know, it, if I just talk about it, that shame wouldn't be there. Totally. But it is. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to talk about. It's so hard to not, not be caught in that, that shame cycle, oh, that, that spiral. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so another thing I wanted to, to talk about with you, like I said, we've kind of been all over the place, which I love. And definitely I'm going to want to have you on for maybe some like, do some specific episodes about certain topics but something for you guys like I said I got to see you with um Dayseeker in Indianapolis and you did take the time to kind of take a pause and and tell part of your story on stage and I just wonder for you like obviously you've been vocal about your mental health and the journey you've been on and writing the songs that you write how important to you is that moment in Oh yeah. Performances. It's everything. It's everything. Sorry. One second. Yeah, you're fine. Sorry. Can you hear me? Yep. Uh, can, can you just ask that question one more time? Yeah. So uh, for you, the, the moment that you pause in your set list and tell your story or, you know, start your, your mental health kind of uh, speech for lack of a better term, how important is that moment to you in that performance time? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, vastly important. Like it, uh, um, being able to, being able to like just get real and talk about that is, well, I honestly, it, it, even more than like, I'd be lying if I always thought about the efficacy of it. And it's more like, just like, that's what the song's about. Like I specifically, I usually talk like when when we do a headline show and you know we have like kind of the whole night to ourselves usually there's more kind of dialogue and stuff but when you know when you do a support set um i, I i've never wanted to be the band that like talks for like five to ten minutes straight right <laughs> um because it's like i'm 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 aware i'm like the, you know people are here to see day seeker and and we're just we're lucky to be opening the show so i'll just kind of let people know a few thoughts and then be on my way kind of but um the reason I always talk about that in front of trilogy, even even when we're supporting and when I'm not trying to talk all night, is because I, I literally wrote those lyrics in a mental hospital, like straight up. Like and, and so I think to to not to not share just to know that someone's like really struggling in the audience, because 
you know, if, if there's 800 people, it's like statistically almost certain that somebody's struggling. Um, to not talk about it would feel like kind of like dishonest, you know, because of like where I came from and where I wrote the, those those lyrics from. Yeah. Yeah. And when I think, you know, I don't have the NAMI numbers in front of me right now, but it's something like one in five people uh, statistically have dealt with some sort of mental health condition, whether, you know, depression, anxiety, whatever. So to your point, you know, like a room full of 500 kids, statistically, there's a hundred of them that have had something going on. And to, to take that moment, I think it was one of the things in that show, that was the first time I had seen you guys live. Um, but that was a moment in that show where I was like, you know, this is a whole new level of respect because it is so important and you are so transparent and passionate about what you talk about, but you do it in this way of like, definitely not trying to push a, a narrative that like, I'm better than you because I've made it through this thing. It's like, Hey, I know what that's like. Let me show you like how good it can be. Totally. Yeah, definitely. That's the big part of it is like knowing, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the goal, kind of getting back to what we were saying earlier, I think the goal isn't always to, like, to get back to, like, be healthy, you know, be, like, clean mental health slate. I think I think the goal should be, like, what does it mean to thrive right now? You know, like, knowing that, like, you know, being, being like, perfectly okay and stuff is, is maybe – Sometimes I think aiming for perfection is a problem. It's part of the problem for people. I think for a lot of people, the whole perfection thing is part of their problem. And so I think reframing away from like perfect and towards um, just like, what does it look like for you to, to like be able to be proud of yourself, be able to like be fulfilled, be able to know that even if it doesn't feel like it, that you are th- that that you are working towards something or that 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 you're growing because I, so much of life is really about the journey and not just like the destination you know yeah and I, I totally agree i think the um the perfectionist side of a lot of people you know like whether it's because of disney movies or whatever it is growing up that made you think that um perfection is the goal it's like it's it's not because there's no such thing as perfection first off um, yeah totally but i think the other side of it is kind of a well to your point like what does what does thriving look like for you like let's break this down and figure out for you know whoever in the audience uh you know let's make up a name amanda so Amanda, in your life, if everything was quote unquote perfect, what does that look like? Like, how do we break this down into realistic and honest things? Because, you know, like, are are we all going to be millionaires? No. I mean, that's just 100% facts, unfortunately. But could you get to a point where you are 
more than content with your life and happy with the choices that you've made? Absolutely. You know, there's um, a quote that I had heard a while back that was, are you trying to achieve greatness or are you constantly trying to avoid failure? Like, yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a real mind fuck when you start thinking of it that way. Like, am I trying to be great or do I, am I just scared that I'm going to fail? Totally. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, learning how to, yeah, live in the, live in the positive, you know, live in the, um, you know, being, being able to see what you do have. I, I think even, um, gratitude exercises helped me a lot, you know, as, as maybe like, I don't know, as maybe like boring and in, in old schools, that sounds like taking an inventory of everything I'm grateful for. Even even on days when I like the the the, the negatives are just staring me in the face, um, being able to be like you know if I'm in a bed like thankful for this bed you know if I'm not sweating my ass right. off being like thank <laughs> thankful for this temperature you know yeah. if if I'm if I ate dinner like thank you thankful for the food and being able to like take an inventory of of the simple things um, I also think taking inventory and just being present can help a lot with anxiety with just conditioning our mind away from the like do this do that do this do that and being in like the the moment of like having having whatever's in front of us and just being like this is all this is this is the only thing that's real to me right now you know i can't control i wish i could stop the war in israel and palestine between israel and palestine i wish that i could stop the genocide in africa I wish that, you know, even more petty stuff. Like I, I wish my band got to play those those red state rock festivals, but we don't. But but being able to 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 be like, but like what do we have right now? And being able to like embrace those things, um, has really gone a pretty long ways for me and also just helps me to sleep because I'm like thinking abstract thoughts, I guess, or something puts me to sleep pretty fast. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it's Something I've learned because part of my diagnosis is I also have a generalized uh, anxiety disorder with it as well. And again, growing up, I never realized, like I understood that things didn't make sense a lot of times or like that I got, I felt too much pressure. Like if you laid a a to-do list in front of me, my mind goes a million miles a minute trying to figure out like, okay, how do I prioritize this? What order do I need to do this in? Like, how long can I take on each task? And what I've learned to do over the years, similar to your gratitude thing, but on the like productivity side of things is like, go ahead and make that to-do list. So you know, like what needs to be done, but then you flip that piece of paper over and you write down everything that you did do because like, especially in a work setting, right? Like maybe I didn't get this project done that I wanted to, but here's the nine things I got done in order to get that step in, you know? Um, And it really reframes the, I wasn't productive into, well, I've made progress on stuff. Sure, it wasn't necessarily on my to-do list, but I had to do these things as well. So I still accomplished something. Yeah, no, and that definitely helps with like momentum. You know, I think a lot of times with depression, it's like, you need to win little battles first. You know, even if you feel like you're losing the war, you need to you need to see the battles that you're winning um 
because obviously if you feel like you're useless and you feel like you can't make any progress against the depression, the depression's going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's why like, you know, people think it's a joke when, when people post memes or whatever about like, well, I got out of bed today. I brushed my teeth today, whatever. It's like, sometimes the, speaking from my personal experience. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's a hundred percent a fucking win. I mean, the, I've had those days. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Anyone who, yeah, doesn't. Yeah. Like people that, that's that, 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 you know, have the disorder that you have of major depression. Um, get, getting out of bed is, is not a, is, I know some days is not a joke. Like, like that's a very difficult thing to do. Um, very very difficult thing to do and uh it's um i think it's hard for people to understand that and have empathy for that until they get there and and i know that you even even the most insensitive detractor i know you would never wish that on them because once you know what it's like to be that depressed um you'll never be the same it's not to say you, you won't have a great beautiful life but but it's just something changes in you if you've struggled with that type of depression for weeks on end where you realize like holy lord like there's like there's like a bottom there's like a rock bottom and then there's like an abyss under the rock bottom you know yeah and and uh people that struggle with that type of depression i think have, have definitely seen the abyss yeah it, it's it's funny because there's um i'm gonna forget what band it is now but there's a band that has a song, I think it's Raptors out of the UK, but they have a song called Rock Bottom Has a Basement because mm -hmm. like people don't realize like, oh, I've hit rock bottom. And it's like, yeah, but sometimes rock bottom is not the bottom. Like you think you're in a bad no. spot, but you've not reached, like you said, the abyss. Totally. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of go back and forth with how I feel about the whole, um, I see people always say like, like, I know it gets, it's bad, but like, it'll get better soon. And people promise it'll get better. And, and I hate this, but it's true that sometimes it'll, it's got to get worse still. Like it's going to get, and, and that's not an easy thing, but I never want to lie to someone and be like, if you're having a bad time now, don't worry, tomorrow will be better. Cause maybe tomorrow will be worse, you know? And yeah. I, I think instead of, you know, false promises that everything will get better, it's that like, you can survive this you know, that, that, that you're, you're capable of surviving this, that, that, that you're meant to survive this, that you, that you're worth surviving this, you know, but it, th things, it's, uh, it's one thing to, you know, talk about, you know, oh, depression, anxiety. But like I said, you know, at the beginning of this, I thought I knew what anxiety was. And then apparently I didn't, cause I had it for like a year and a half to the point that I was trying to kill myself. And only like when I ended up in a mental hospital and, and being treated and being given meds was I like, oh my God, I, I really had anxiety and, and it was, it's not what I thought it was, you know, um, it, it was, uh, cause that's the thing too, is we, we use these terms, anxiety, depression, what have you, but they don't look the same for everybody. And even if they did look the same for everyone, when someone talks about theirs, it might sound better, different than what you have, because uh, we use different language and different words to communicate these things. And it's, it's not always easy to, you know, be able to, to, uh, to describe something, uh, the same in, in a way that's going to apply to everybody, you know?
Yeah. Well, and that's something, you know, this may be a, a conversation for another episode, but um, I've said that for a long time about the power of words, right? Like somebody will get a flat tire and post on social media, like, oh, I'm so depressed. I have a flat tire. And it's like, that's not fucking depression. Like, let's stop. Yeah. You're bummed. You're pissed. Yeah. 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 Stop lessening what people are going through because you're having, you know, this sure. It may be a major inconvenience to you at that time, but it is not the same as depression. It's not the same as I'm so like people, Oh, I've got so much anxiety about this thing. And it's like, are you anxious or are you nervous? You're nervous about a job interview, not anxious because you, you know, have stuff going on. You know, the the theologian Martin Luther once famously said that people are like, people are like a drunk man uh, trying to get on a horse. They try to get on one side and they fall off the other. I think our culture for so long was so taboo about mental health that there was a big push to destigmatize, destigmatize and to kind of psychologize our language and to like, codify you know depression and anxiety into like you know terms and into words that we commonly use but but then i yeah you sometimes get the flip side where now it's like somebody like uh terms like 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 sad and depressed or like um nervous and anxious have become like synonymous um and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, wow, now we have a different problem, kind of, uh, you know, um, and uh, that's that's all. That's something that's very interesting to me that, uh, we, you know, maybe I think we have to some degree destigmatized mental health issues on some level, at least. But uh, then on the flip side, yeah, you get kind of like the, the misuse of the terms, which kind of leads to further kind of confusion and, and then you know, eventually when, when a word means everything, the problem is it stops to really mean anything. So someone can say like, oh, I, I'm depressed. And people are like, oh, like, you know, you're having a bad day. And the person's like, no, what I mean to say is the things that I used to love, I don't love anymore. I don't look forward to anything. And it's it's like, it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. I just stay down, you know. Yeah. Um, and And for people to understand that that's different than like having a bad day or like, you know, um, you know, it's, it's normal. It's, it's, it's normal to be sad or, or upset about a negative outcome. Uh, what's not normal is when you don't even care anymore, like whether it's good, negative or positive, you just stay down. You know, that's, that's probably when it becomes a lot closer to a sort of actual depression clinically. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, a big one that, you know, I've talked about and I've kind of even recognized in my own life over the years, especially looking back, like when I would make comments about being depressed, that's almost verbatim what people would say is like, oh, well, you're just having a bad day, you know, like they would try to like. Okay, sorry, my internet totally just took a shit on me. Oh, no worries, no worries. I switched over to my phone now because I don't know what the hell is going on with my home internet. Um, That's all good. But yeah, so basically what I was saying is like, you know, we've we've made these words so common that now when somebody is in that struggle and they they speak up about it, it gets kind of glossed over where 
people don't understand the significance of it. And I think that's unfortunately um, a contributing factor. It's obviously not the only cause, but it's a contributing factor, I think, to the suicide rate and the suicide attempt rate is because people feel like they're not being heard when they have a real issue. It's being downplayed. And so at that point, you know, they're unfortunately uh, deciding that the best course of action is is the suicide route. Yeah, totally. It's yeah, that's it's sadly a common phenomenon. Yeah. Um, honestly, I don't have too much for you left on this particular episode, but um, another thing I wanted to touch on is with the new album, uh, Super Bloom, you guys have, again, yeah. just been super vocal about life and these kind of abstract uh, thought processes and like the song that sticks out in mind is obviously antimatter. Everybody's sharing the hell out of it and it's seeing great success and it should. Um, but for you, like going through the process of writing this song and talking about how kind of, I, I don't mean it to sound a negative way, but like almost like at the end of this, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Like we become this antimatter of, all the, the choices that you've made at the end of the day, we're all just trying to live life to the fullest because there's a, a point in time when it ends. Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. So for, for, yeah. For you writing that, like what's that thought process kind of go into for the importance of the message that, you know, it's, it's time for us to, kind of just live life as best we can. Yeah, I, I think it's um, that, you know, what, what what gives our life meaning is the people around us and the people that we love. And even though uh, so much is out of our control, um, we, 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 we won't... Um, even though so much is out of our control, we won't find freedom or find find the answers if we, if we try to grasp for control. But instead, just being able to kind of, I guess it's kind of like a more of a sort of contemplative tradition or like Eastern spiritual pra- like idea where like it's it's in the losing control and in the accepting of things that we sort of are, we, we, we gain control over what we actually can control and we find peace in those things. And so like, you know, as far as, um, as far as antimatter goes, it's like, um, you know, the, the things that we chase and the things that we love are oftentimes the things that might even destroy us. Um, but we, we, we also find meaning in like the struggle and it's, it's not that we're gonna, it's not that we're, we're, we're going to find every answer that we're going to solve every problem. But, but I do think that we, we can get that. Um, we, we can find freedom in the not knowing that we can like accept that, Hey, some, some like I can't control some things. I can't know some things, but, but I can find peace. Uh, and that's, 
that's i guess where um where where like i was going with uh with specifically with antimatter yeah well i i think that's it's funny so i had a super short story i had a near-death experience with covid and ended up spending a lot of time in the hospital and and whatnot and um i was lifeline the whole nine yards right and there's one nurse in particular that really sticks out in my mind. She was one of my night nurses. And this was, you know, I spent 46 days in the hospital. This was probably on day like 30 something that she was my my night nurse. And she was the first person to ask how I was dealing with everything like mentally. Right. And my response to her was that it is what it is. And she's like, that's incredibly awesome that you have affected, but also like almost morbid that like you you almost don't care, right? And I said, it's not that I don't care. It's that I, I can't do anything to change it. So what I've been doing, especially post that event, is uh, I tack on to the end of it is what it is for now. And that has really helped kind of shift my perspective as well with this concept that like I don't have control over everything and that's okay because it's not always going to be like this. It's either going to get better. Some things may get worse, but at the end of the day, I can only control what I can control. Yeah, totally. That's really beautiful. That's um, Uh, I'm glad you survived too, my friend. Yeah, me too. Uh, (laughs) I don't mean to make light of it. It's just, it's one of those things that, you know, it's, it was such a heavy experience and and whatnot that like, I almost have to approach it with a a sort of humor because if not, like, there's a lot of existential stuff that goes into that. Like, why me? Why did I survive when so many others didn't? Or, you know, why did I even get it in the first place type of stuff? And it, it's something I've really, really focused on trying to change my internal narrative around is don't focus on the existential part of it with why me, but now tweak it into how can I better somebody else because of me still being here, you know, like no savior complex or anything like that. But doing this podcast is a big part of that. Like, yeah, I want this podcast something people can look at and and say you know oh i understand where these people are coming from now um and it just that was one of the first things that my sister and i talked about after i uh was getting better and whatnot and i hadn't started this podcast yet and i said i think i think i need to talk more about mental health and so now here i am talking to you and so many others about this um this thing that we all struggle with and it just it blows my mind because if if any person tells you that they've never had any sort of mental health issue or like been depressed anxious whatever like they're probably fucking lying or they've had a really really easy life yeah totally totally yeah, probably. Yeah. So um, kind of as we, we wrap this up, 
I ask one kind of cliche question. Uh, you can thank Matty Mullins for it because I accidentally asked him and he gave such a great answer that I have to start asking it now. Um, and it's the cliche of, you know, we all become who we needed when we were younger, right? And or who we'd feel safe with when we were younger. So for you, in the current moment that you're in now, looking back on your life, what would you tell a younger struggling Garrett, you know, for advice or motivation? Mm. Uh, I would honestly, I would honestly tell younger Garrett, like the thing that you're like, the thing that you're worried about right now isn't going to solve itself with anything that you can do. So just be faithful with what's in front of you and take care of that. And I promise you, your time will come. That time will come. But you you can't you can't give up on what's in front of you. Like sticking with what's in front of you will be the solution. The the answer to the big things is in the small things, I guess would be another way of saying it. Like you feel like the things are too small in front of you, but if you keep at it with the small things, that the big things will will you'll overcome those things. Yeah. Yeah, that's really powerful. That's similar to to Maddie. Maddie said, um, I'll I'll paraphrase it, but basically said, you know, like he would go back and and tell younger self that it's okay to have the feelings that you have to to be angry, to be sad, to you know feel all the things, but at the same time, when it's time to be happy, you're allowed to be happy. Like you can't just constantly worry about the negative side of it. Like you have you being on this earth is such a fucking miracle in the first place that like you can't give up the sight of that and you're allowed to to have good things happen yeah to totally totally awesome that's, man um, that's that's a really so, good word of wisdom um, yeah yeah maddie's maddie's something else man i don't know if you've talked to him much but he's he's an incredible yeah, person good. yeah <laughs> yeah so um for you, I mean, obviously I'll link the socials and stuff like that, but kind of as we wrap up this particular episode, like I said, I, I think you and I could talk about a lot of different topics and, and we may schedule some stuff down the road, but, um, for you, like to fans, to potential new listeners because of the podcast or whatever, like, what are some things you want to tell them? Um, what should they be looking for in your music, your message, your, your, quote-unquote brand or whatever you want to call it like what does silent planet mean to to you slash the fan base um silent planet uh means uh means community coming together it means relinquishing relinquishing what what you think the answers are and being able to listen to other people and in that process of communication, uh, coming together and standing against the, uh, the machine, which is another way of saying the, the forces and the, uh, the, the powers that be that, that keep, keep people oppressed, the systems in place that keep, you know, the poor getting poorer, the sick getting sicker. Um, so yeah, community, uh, and, and empathy being the means by which community happens on a real level. Awesome, man. And then uh, the last thing would be, 
obviously take whatever time you need, but promote whatever you've got to promote. Obviously, the new album just dropped. Uh, what does the, the remainder of 2023 look like and going into 2024 for you? Um, we uh, we have uh, one show at Dayseeker in uh, the 30th of December uh, in Anaheim, and then we'll be headlining through January and February and uh march uh or sorry january and february in north america and then in march we'll be out in europe and from there out, i'm not sure awesome man well i'm looking forward to that hopefully you uh get back over to indiana soon because i definitely want to come see another show i think like i said that was seeing you with Dayseeker in indianapolis was the first time that i'd seen you guys live and for me you know starting in the the photo pit taking photos and then moving to the back of the room and just watching the entire like energy and environment in that room. Um, I think that there's a lot to be said about what we were saying earlier about the, the alternative or heavy music, you know, community. Um, and I think that as cliche as it sounds, as, you know, easy as it is for me to say, I think you guys are on the right path to really develop this fan base that's just going to carry you as long as you guys want to be doing this. Well, thank thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and thank you for having me. Uh, it's 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 been awesome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. We'll be in touch. Um, like I said, we may figure appreciate out. Josh. Yeah, we'll be figuring out some specific episodes or whatever. But I'll be in touch for sure. And I appreciate your time today, Garrett. I appreciate you. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, man. And that was my conversation with Garrett from Silent Planet. Um, huge shout out to him for taking the time to do that. It was just on an off day uh, for him. He was out running errands and stuff and took the time to, um, you know, have that conversation with me. Um, but more importantly, have that conversation for you guys. And um, just can't thank him enough for taking that time and really... Um, just allowing you guys to see a little more of, of that mission of his to break down the barriers around mental health and, um, be as, as transparent as possible. So again, huge shout out to Garrett and I want you guys going, if you're not already, you know, listening to their new album, Super Bloom. Uh, if you're not already following them, things like that, like get over and do that. I'll have all the socials linked in the description of the podcast. The album is available now. So wherever you're streaming music, go check that out. Um, there's some really cool messages on this album and it's a really, uh, almost intimate look into that period of Garrett's life. So, um, yeah, again, huge shout out to Garrett for being vulnerable and, and having that conversation. And that's everything I've got for you guys on this episode of Musicians for Mental Health. Uh, definitely have some more that I'm working on getting scheduled. Um, as I've said before, this podcast is a little tougher uh, scheduling wise because of some of the obstacles 
that are still tied to mental health. So, you know, we we run into a, the occasional um, gatekeeper, if you will, that turns it down because it's not a good look uh, in their mind for the artist to be talking about some of this stuff. And it is what it is. So uh, the best way that you can help change that is to be sure that you're subscribed, make sure you're liking the posts, things like that. The more traction I can show when I'm presenting this, uh, trying to get guests, the better, because obviously those numbers matter. And if I can pitch it and say, look, here's where we're at with things. This is what people are saying and asking for. Um, it, it does definitely help the process of, of gaining some of those, um, potential guests. So that's everything for this episode, guys, as always, please be sure that you like, share, subscribe, follow the podcast, um, as well as the, you make the scene podcast. We just celebrated our four year anniversary on that podcast, uh, just a couple weeks ago now. So, um, really having a lot of fun with that. A lot of episodes We're coming, coming up on episode number 200 and I'm going to try to figure out something or someone to make that a special episode. So, uh, stay tuned there. And then, yeah, I mean, just the standard outro for me, guys, remember, take care of yourselves Take care of each other, and you make the scene.